0: welcome to another episode of the p potential success show my name is fong Chuang. i'm an entrepreneur business strategist real estate investor speaker and also best-selling author and every single day i help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed today i have amazing guests and this is somebody i've had the privilege and the honor of sharing the stage with and also sharing an award with so i'm very very excited for having him because he is a person of loyalty and somebody who always always adds value he is a real estate investor in the Papi Bay area, also a software and technology expert. He's worked with some of the biggest names, biggest companies up, out there uh, from Fortune 500 list, from on the Microsoft Top 50 list, and also uh, startups and much, much more. When it comes to software consulting, he's worked in all the other industries as well with regards to telecom, finance, healthcare, more, 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 more. So please welcome Principal Cloud Architect Real Estate Investor, Mr. Joe
1: Irizarry. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, Fong. I'm excited to be here and excited to get a chance to talk with you again. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for being here. And I look forward to uh, hearing more about you and also getting to know more about what you do, because software consulting is not an easy thing. And uh, that's what you're an expert in. And I know a lot lot of businesses out there. Uh, require services that you provide because uh, it's very very important but first of all tell us more about what you're currently passionate about right now and then your journey to get to there
1: yeah so right now my passion um really is being able to take what I've learned uh in terms of the software consulting being able to take what I've learned working with many different clients working in different projects um and being able to give that back to them, being able to accelerate them, take them from where they are today, help them define what point B is, and then shorten the time it takes to get there, right? Get, get there faster. Um, and you know, a, a 15, 30 minute with me, 15 to 30 minute meeting with me can sometimes save their entire team weeks of time going and discovering and learning those things. And it's not just about pointing and saying, go do this, it's about explaining the why, the background, the, the, the history. Um, and in particular, I specialize a lot with clients going into the cloud and into the, the Microsoft Azure cloud where I have uh, over nine years of experience with it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where my passion is being able to give back to them um, and helping both the technical team, right? Because I do have that technical background, that technical experience, but then also working with the leadership team, the executives, <laughs> to kind of act as a bridge um, and just being able to do that in a way where I can bring the technical things up to the executives in a way that makes sense for the business and then take the business objectives and translate them to the technical team. Um, so that's, that's what I, I just, I
0: love doing it. Now, was, uh, was software and top technology something that you've always enjoyed and you always had a knack for or something you just kind of fell into and go, oh, this is neat, let's, let's jump into this more.
1: You know, I, I'm really blessed. Um, when I was young, I did like computers, um, and you know, even in high school, I uh, I just had a knack. I was it was kind of came natural to me. I did a lot of stuff, uh, you know, video editing and things like that. Just whatever I could do on the computer, and uh, and I was originally going to go into the Air Force and be an Air Force pilot. But as you know, glasses and my I, I'm tall. I'm six two, and so. I was like, if if I'm gonna go, I want to be a fighter jet pilot. If I'm not gonna do that, then then nothing. And so I went to this university that specialized in just computer science for building software, not all the theoretical, just the building software part. And it came so naturally to me. Um, and and so I'm blessed in that way that I'm naturally good at something, and that there's a high demand for it. As you know, today there's more demand for for talent, nonetheless, top talent with experience, uh, particularly in the software engineering field, than there's ever been. And it just, it, it's really spiked a lot during COVID and, and remote work and all those kinds of things have made it in one way easier to get access to people, but also given people more opportunities. And so I've just been blessed that something I'm good at, something I'm passionate about, happens to also be something that, um, you know, that there's a demand for.
0: Mm. Now, when, when you had to work with your clients, and explain to them what you do and what the problems are and what you have to do to solve those problems, I'm assuming that some of your clients may may or not be tech savvy. So therefore, when you're telling them how to just do this, how to solve that, it, it may not mean anything to them. So how do you actually communicate that type of talk to people who don't really understand? Did you work on that? Did you find out more about what they do? How did you build that ability to actually explain to them what they need and have them trust you?
1: Yeah, you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, and I'm, I'm going to kind of say it this way. Techno- in my in my job, in, line, in my line of work, technology is the easy part. People, right? And this is probably true in, in all businesses, at least the businesses that I'm involved in. I also do real estate, right? The technology, the technicalities, whether it's building uh, software or whether it's building a house, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's fundamentals and you do it. It's the people that become important, the relationships and being able to communicate with them. Um, and so because, and I'm not being arrogant when I say this, but because the technology part of it has been so natural for me, I, I do spend a lot of time staying up to speed. I do spend a lot of time perfecting and, and learning and growing that skill, but, It doesn't take as much energy for me to do it as it might for someone else. So that energy, that extra energy left over, I'm able to put into the soft skills. Mm -hmm. And I've been very fortunate to have good coaches and good mentors, even very early on. I didn't even know that's what they were doing. Right. But they taught me, you know, how to communicate when I see the end vision and maybe the, the people I'm working with or my client doesn't see that yet and help identify those gaps in understanding make sure and validate with them that that the vision that I'm laying out for them meets their needs. And then the follow up is helping them get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, so the soft skills of it and uh, and just that knack for being able to bridge the gap between the people and the technology, but then also the people and the people. Oftentimes I'll go into an environment and you've got two or three or four or five teams or different organizations that are aren't aligned, right? They're trying to communicate with each other, but they're using different words or you say something and it's an ambiguous term because it means one thing to one person, one thing to another person. Um, and so being able to bridge that gap in a um, non-aggressive uh, um, uh, conflicting way, right? To just come in and say, let's do this together um, and bridge that, that's, that I think is what I bring unique to the table. Um, but it's taken time to get there. Um, And my time at Microsoft, I worked with uh, uh, clients there, and that's what I was doing, and I got a chance to hone that skill even further working with that before I went, and now I've been doing it independently for six years.
0: Now, you talked about communication a lot and how important that is to let you grow and also build those relationships, and when it comes to software engineering, technology, uh, nerds, geeks, and all those kind of words, we're not known to be able to communicate well. We're also known as those people who like to sit down, do calculations, create that uh, product and all that kind of stuff. So was the communication aspect, the soft skills aspect of what you're doing now, something that you've always said, you know what, I need to work on this or something that you realized that you needed in order to grow and also succeed even further?
1: uh, I mentioned
0: uh, mentors and people early on. Mm -hmm. That was one of
1: the things that they taught me. And they didn't say, you need to work on communication, right? They said it in the context of a way that I could understand at the time. Um, But over time, you know, there was a time when I said, I don't want to work with people. I don't want to do anything with people. I just want to sit down and code, right? I mean, that was the stereotype. The media doesn't always get it right. The movies don't always get it right. But in the case of, you know, the majority, software engineers, technical people, geeks, as they say, they generally are really just wanting to get down and do it because that's what they love they don't they don't love dealing with the politics and the red tape and the you don't understand because you don't have the background like they don't like that right um and there was a time when i thought that way as well but over the years i've not only learned to get better at it but i've learned to love it because i'm able to solve a problem that no one else is able to solve uh, or very few people i should say and um and i'm able to achieve really great results By doing it. Um, And anyone in that technical field at the end of the day, at their core, they're problem solvers Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to solve problems that that no one else has solved or no one else can solve. And so being able to take those technical skills and solve these people problems is is uh, is something I never thought that I would be doing, nonetheless loving. And yet here I am
0: today telling you that I love it. I do it um, and I'm successful at it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Think back to that first uh, presentation, the first big project, the first big speech or whatever it is. What was that feeling like to compare to what it is right now when you go up on stage and you do a speaking engagement or where you jump into a boardroom to do a big presentation?
1: Oh, the biggest thing I think the difference is realizing what I bring to the table. So confidence but not arrogance, Mm -hmm. right? Especially in the technical field, it's so easy to have the arrogance associated with the confidence. And again, going back to how having other people influence your life is so important, both of my parents are humble people and they instill humility in me. And that's part of how I'm able to build relationships is I don't come, even though I have all this experience. um, You know, a lot of times people in this field, they will have... 20 years of experience, but they'll really have one year of experience 20 times. They haven't grown, right? Um, And so my humility allows me to continue to grow. Um, So uh, going back to kind of the difference between then and now, it's realizing what I'm able to bring to the table and being able to articulate that value, but then also deliver that In a more effective way. Because if you don't have the good communication, if you can't build the relationships, build the rapport, et cetera, it doesn't matter what you know, it's never going to come out and it's never going to get implemented because you're not going to be able to build adoption for it. Mm -hmm. And especially as a consultant, most of the time you're dealing with a situation where you don't get to make decisions. You get to advise, consult, strategize, but the decision lies with the customer. And because of that, one, You have to know your role, know your place in the food chain, recognize that it's their decision and empower them to make the best decision and support them in that decision, whether you agree with it or not, to get to their end goal. But really, it's not manipulation, but really the best way to serve your client is to help them see that that decision that you believe in is the best way for them to go. Um, And that you have to have confidence. You have to be able to deliver. Um, And that, I think, is the major difference between where I've started and where I am now, being able to do that um, and be able to get there more quickly, more efficiently to that decision, that right decision.
0: Very, very important. Sometimes when people don't know what their issues are, they don't know what they don't know. And when you're the one that articulates it so well and able to describe it to them so that they come to the same conclusion. Uh, that is usually what puts people together and gets projects uh, successful together as well. Uh, now you've worked with a lot of different industries and a lot of different businesses. What would you say are some of the most uh, repeating issues that big companies have when it comes to software and technology and startup companies have?
1: Um, so, You know, it's interesting because as we talked earlier, business is business. Um, And so whether you're doing real estate, you're doing software, whatever, there tends to be patterns. Um, And some of the strengths that smaller companies have is their ability to execute quickly and adapt speed of implementation, speed to market and being able to pivot, right? That's their strength. Their weakness is that they're not always thinking about the long term. And sometimes you can't right? different stages of companies have different goals, right? And you have to be able to adapt that solution to what they need. And oftentimes you'll see in a company that the, the founder isn't the person who runs it when it's a billion dollar company, right? Like, for example, Facebook is the exception that Mark started it and he's still he's still running it. But oftentimes that founder is not in the CEO role as it gets to that 10 million, 100 million, 500 million billion dollar revenue mark. Um, So often, so you you have to be able to kind of blend those things together. And uh, some things are out of startups control, right? They only have so much budget, they only have so much time, they've got to deliver. Um, So those, some of those things are out of their control. Uh, And because of that, they're not always able to do something that they can build on in the future, right? You have to be able to make that judgment call of where do I invest Versus where do I, so to speak, implement something that's throwaway? It still delivers value today, so it's not a waste, but it is something that I know I'm not going to keep later. Um, you, you have to have the right people to make those decisions. So that that's where the weakness is. In terms of the large companies, it's almost the opposite, right? They're almost immediately thinking, big scale, I'm going to put $100 million of revenue on this product. I have to, I want to build it to, to, to sustain the next seven eight, 10 years, right, of, of business because it's it, I'm, I'm spending, you know, eight, nine figures to build it. And uh, I know how much it's going to take to start over again. Um, but there's value in delivering in an agile way. There's value in delivering quickly and having incremental progress and reflecting on that, like truly reflecting, not just say you're doing agile, not just say you're reflecting and being retrospective, actually considering it and, and moving quickly and taking that startup mindset at the beginning of your project with some of those foresight, but at the beginning of your project and then going forward. And again, it's all about trade-offs experience. It's a little bit of an art, not a science. Um, and then the other one is of course the, the red tape and that comes down for larger companies with different departments. Maybe they have a cybersecurity department, maybe they have a compliance department, et cetera, um, that influences what you build. Well, all of that has to be taken into consideration And nothing comes for free when you're building, right? Nothing comes for free. So you have to take all of that into account appropriately and really um, take a step back and say, especially when you're building new, when you're building into a new tech, a new platform like the cloud, where you don't have experience before, what you did on premise, what you did previously is not the best solution for what's modern today and won't be the most effective solution. ROI wise, time wise, speed to market, security, etc. For what you're going into the future, um, it's too easy to take that legacy mindset
0: and apply it to, to now and into the future.
1: And you have to be able to
0: adapt. Now, when it comes to software and technology, you you probably heard it all. What are some of the most annoying comments that you hear about people saying about software and technology that are absolutely false myth or just annoying? <laughs> oh
1: boy, um, you know I think one of them is probably that um, the, 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 the technical team, the ones that are building it, that they don't care about the business, that all they want to do is build technical. I think that's that's completely false. Well, I think that there is a natural instinct for them to want to look at the technology only, right? But there's also a lot of people in that group, I started in that group, right? That do think about the business and do realize that at the end of the day, this thing's got to make money. Otherwise, there's no point in building it. Um, So I think that there's more desire to discover and understand what the right thing is for the business in the team than what um, than what they're given credit for sometimes. Um, I think I mean, the the most common one is why does it take so long? Why is it so hard? Why
0: is, you know, like and it just goes back to what I you just push a button or copy and paste. Come on. (laughs)
1: Everybody else has done this. Why is it taking us so long? You know, (laughs) all of those
0: things, uh, all of those things come up
1: and, you know, you take it and instruct.
0: I see. Um, Now, for somebody who's as successful as you are in your company and your business, uh, most people go, you know, what? I'm good. I'm just going to keep on doing this. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But you jumped out and you go, you know what? I want to do some real estate. I want to do businesses and all that kind of stuff. So why real estate? Why is that something that uh, piqued your interest?
1: Yeah. You know, it goes. It really just goes towards what I want to leave behind, what I want my legacy to be, and and the life that I want to live as soon as I can get there. Um, it really comes down to just those two things. I've always had high ambitions, high goals to be very successful, um, and that success then being able to translate to me giving more to the charities that I give to, being able to impact others in a way that I would never be able to do if I only had average success. Um, And the second part of it is, I want to experience life to the fullest, you know? So I wanna be able to go and rent a nice hotel in downtown Singapore, right? Like the top floor, I I wanna be able to enjoy that. And it's not about being extravagant or lavish, it's just, I work hard, I know I can get there, and I want to be able to give that experience to myself, to my family, to my wife. She works very hard, um, so there's just that. That's uh, that's what we want to be able to achieve. And a friend of mine, um, actually, I I don't know exactly how it came across him, whether it was a podcast or he saw a video or a book or something like that, but he got introduced to the concept of real estate investing, uh, very vague, and so he started doing some research. And after a little while, he reached out to me. He said, "Hey, Joe." I, I think there's something here, man, you should take a look at this. And so I did uh, read books, podcasts, et cetera. And I said, wow, you know, the ROI on my time at some point when I, when I get there is going to be much higher than the ROI on my time doing software consulting. And it's a little bit of a conflict internally because I love what I do with software, but I also love the impact that I can make as I get more successful doing real estate investing. And so for me, that is the long-term growth. That's what's going to get me to that next level. And I don't know what's going to get me to the level after that. Right. But that to me is what's going to get me to the next level. And so over the last three years, that's where my wife and I have been investing our growth um, and and our time for growth there while I'm also doing software consulting Mm -hmm.
0: full-time. When you talked about, you would like to have that, that choice for that luxury and rent that top uh, penthouse suite and all that kind of stuff. Uh, reminds me of a story when I was talking to one of my, my, my friends here and they were saying, oh yeah, we, we were able to stay at this place and we had this dinner. I was looking at pictures. I'm like, is that gold flakes on your steak? he's like, yes. I'm like, why? He goes, because I can't. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to real estate, um, can you tell us about that very first deal you did? Uh, the The trials and tribulations that you went through, the feelings the excitement, the fear uh, what did you go through and how was that deal done uh, at the first time that you've gone into it
1: yeah, you know um it's it's funny because you you bring it up and just now as you're talking, I'm thinking, wow, those fears those problems though, they seem so small now you know because because I've come so far but but let's talk about it so my very first deal um I, it was a single, it's a single family home. I bought it with the intention of doing a rent to own or a lease option on, on the exit side of it. Um, and we bought it right. We knew that we had multiple options, but that was our plan. Um, and so we put in offers, we talked with different realtors, um, et cetera. And, you know, trying to find the person and being very kind of uh, in some ways timid and, and not sure of ourselves, um, you know because you, you you have some coaching, you get some advice, you take some courses, but you've never seen it through. The numbers make sense, but you've never seen it through. Um, so we're kind of just taking that leap of faith just trying to trust people fully and do what we're you know we, we've been told to do. And so we find this deal and, and I said the numbers on it makes sense to, to structure it this way. Um, we negotiate it, we get the deal for the price that we want and we get it under contract. And then now it's like, Now I have to actually trust that the person who's going to fund this, right. We actually found kind of an institutional hard money lender that they're going to follow through because I have to put money down and I have a contingency period, but at some point that can, that money goes hard. I can't get it back. So that was kind of the first real moment where I'm like, do I have my numbers right? Is my budget right? Are these people going to close, you know, X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, you know, um, and so we're scrambling to find a contract or find someone we can trust who's not going to screw us over, do a good job, and make not make the problems better, not worse. And we're second guessing ourselves, is this the right design? Are we making the right improvements, the right adjustments? Are we going to be able to find someone to come in afterwards? Is the bank going to refinance it like, like they tell us that they will, you know, because I've got to pay back this hard money lender? I mean, everything you can think of runs through your mind, but you just have to push forward. You do have to take a leap of faith. Um, And the more, you know, uh, people with experience that you can rely on, the better. That way you can be getting quality advice instead of advice from, you know, maybe someone who hasn't actually done it or has only done one or two deals. Um, So we finished the construction, the renovation, the refinance comes through. And now we're trying to find someone to rent to own this home. And we're having trouble. You know, it's easy to get mortgages. Um, we're having trouble finding someone, and we, we realized that while we can continue to wait and wait, we're going to have to do something different. It you know, it's just it's not making sense for this property anymore. Um, so we have to take that leap of faith to now pivot, stop marketing. We were spending money on Facebook marketing. I mean, we were trying to do what we knew to do, and it just wasn't working. Um, so we do we pivot and we say we're going to try this Airbnb thing and. You hear the success stories and you hear the horror stories right so it's a it's a whole journey all over again Mm -hmm. we have to spend more money to buy furniture right we spend 10 grand to furnish the place um, because it's a four bedroom two bath house fifteen hundred square feet um and we're crossing our fingers and then we get the first booking and we're like oh my goodness someone's gonna stay you know um and then we get the first payout from airbnb you get it 24 hours after they check in and we're like oh my goodness we got that first check, right? And then step-by-step, step-by-step after that, when the refinance came through, we got a lot of money back from that as well. And so that's how it all started. But at every step of the way, it was taking a leap of faith, using the best um, information you have to make a decision and then go
0: forward and don't regret it. Now, after that whole process, uh, is that one of the biggest lessons that you've gotten in real estate or is there another story that you could share that gave you one another very, very valuable lesson? Um, I think uh, there's probably another lesson. There's there's lots of
1: lessons, I think. But another lesson um, that I would say, the first one is kind of take the information you have, make the decision, you know, and and trust the people around you to give you good advice. The second lesson I think that I've learned, a big one, is to trust yourself. That you can do it, and you would think that that would come in the first one. But if you have the right people around you, it's not so. It's more trusting them than it is you, because you 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 you're just doing the work, right? But now trusting yourself. So um, I've had more than one project where I had issues with contractors, where they didn't deliver on what they said they were going to do. Um, and you always give them a chance. At the end of the day, people are people, and you want to you want to treat people right. But there comes a point of business where you have to deliver or get out. And no one wants to get out when they're expecting a paycheck or when they disagree about something. And so having the confidence to put your foot down, have the confidence that you can find someone else to get it, still get the project done on time on budget and not being willing to back down. What, I had a situation where a contractor was threatening lots of different things. And some of them were legitimate, they could actually do those things. And some of them were completely illegitimate, they were just bluffing, right. Um, so they were threatening, "Oh, I'm going to put a lien on the property to take you to court, etc. Those things they can do doesn't mean they're going to win, but those things they can do. Then they are saying, you're not going to be able to get another contractor in here, I'm not going to release, you know, the permit, I'm not going to release this and that, they can't hold you hostage that they can't do. And so they're just bluffing, you know, hoping that they can, they can intimidate me to now succumb to what they want to do. Um, and so you got to trust yourself. And of course, I have coaches that, that gave me advice and kind of prop me up, but having the confidence to get it and do it. And to even to start some of these projects that I'm like, this is a little tight. This is, I'm going to have to really execute well, but taking that next step, that next leap of faith. So those I think are probably two of, I mean, I could sit here and come up with more, but just at least two of the big lessons. First one um, is you know, don't live in the sense that I think I'm going to look backwards and regret, make a decision based on the information you have and go forward. And then number two, trust yourself um, to be
0: able to execute and and not back down. Now, going back to your very first deal, uh, I'm sure that once you've made the decision, you know what, I'm going to start doing real estate, I'm going to jump into all this stuff uh, that you may have had family and friends who told you, ah, don't do that. It's too risky. Stick with what you have. And then now, you may still have some other people telling you, you know what, that's not good. That's going to be risky as well. Uh, you say, Oh, it's going to be tight. And they go, yeah, it's going to be too tight. Don't do it. How do you, how do you navigate through the naysayers?
1: Mm. Um, you know what, one thing I can say, and I've been very, very blessed and that's my family from day one, when I left the house at 18 and drove from Florida to Utah, never having been there to go to this college um, and just completely jumped in, you know, student loans, hopefully they're going to come through uh, and, you know, to, for everything, um, is that they've always been hugely supportive all the way through to today, right? So I've been very fortunate that I've had their emotional and, and, and you know, support. Unfortunately, I didn't come from a wealthy family, or maybe fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to put it. Um, so all of it's kind of been built up by, the, by the, what's been instilled in me and by the, the emotional support. So I haven't had to deal with the naysayers from the family perspective. And I've never been the kind of person to surround myself with people that would put me down. So that's a lesson that I was able to learn early on. So a lot of the naysaying hasn't actually come from the people around me in my circle, thankfully. It's more come from the people in the industry that you can't do that. You can't find a house for that price. You're just a low baller. I'm not going to put in that offer for you. You're never going to get this deal for that price. It's never going to sell for that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to be able to get the project done for that price. Like that's the naysaying that that has come up. And how do you navigate it? Um, I think it comes down. I think it comes down to realizing that there are things you can control and that there are things you can't control. The things that you can't control, you wanna take them into account and again, make decisions based on the information you have, and and you try to hedge your risks, of course, but then the things you can control, you go all out on them, right? You don't let the thing, you don't treat the things that you can control the same way you you treat the things you can't control. Um, And when you take control of those things, and you do them and you realize how much effect that can have even though you don't control everything, I think it comes down to, well, I also can't control what people say, but I'm not going to let it affect me. And so I treat that that the same way with everything that I can't control.
0: Very, very, uh, very, very important because I know a lot of people worry so much about things they, they can't do anything about. And that stops them from actually pursuing. They stop them from actually progressing and all that kind of stuff but they can't really do anything about it. So really focusing on the things that you actually have control on is something that lots of people have to work on because it's not easy to go, okay, I can't control this. I can't control that kind of thing. And when it comes to control, uh, during this time where we're in the lockdowns, COVID and all kinds of stuff, we couldn't control that. So what was the things that you could control that allowed you to pivot around the whole situation of closing down, shutdowns, uh, not meeting face-to-face and all kinds of stuff? Uh, My time and my effort, you can
1: always control those. Mm -hmm. Um, And being in lockdown for many people means you have more time. (laughs) What are you gonna do with that time? That's the question. And it's the same question you ask when you're hiring someone, or, or any of those other things, right? Like if you're buying time or if you have more time, are you using it effectively? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you know how many hours are in a week? Do you know how many hours you can spend uh, doing X or doing Y or doing Z? And then how much effort are you going to put into them? Are you going to kind of lollygag around or are you going to take control and realize, you know what, no one, and, and, and you know, at my job, I've got a boss They have a project schedule, you've got executives, you've got all these people that are driving to a a particular thing, and there's multiple levels of accountability, right? But when you're in business for yourself, when you are being an entrepreneur, and when you are pushing to get to that next level, there's no one else holding you accountable. There's no one else that's going to say, you know, you could have pushed a little harder. Yes, you spent 30 minutes doing this, but were you really focused? did you really give it your all? Um, and, you know, could you have spent less time eating dinner? Could you have spent less time on Netflix? Could you have said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out with friends or in, in, in COVID. Maybe um, I'm not going to be on social media as much. I mean, whatever your vice is, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about like not enjoying life. That's not what I'm proposing. What I'm saying is be deliberate in your choices and recognize that the outcome of it is in your control based on your effort. You know, um, I don't have a 401k, I don't have an IRA, even though I worked at at companies that offer those. I mean, I was at Microsoft, they have some of the best benefits, right? I mean, there's other companies like that. So um, I don't have those things because I, for me, I didn't believe that that was going to get me to where I wanted to be. But the position that puts me in is if I don't succeed, i'm I'm gonna be you know elderly and not have anything to live off of, right? I'm not going to be able to get anywhere. so uh, so I look at that and you know sometimes you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position out of your comfort zone to remind you that you've got to drive. you know time is finite and and you know one of the things that it's it maybe in some ways a little embarrassing, but One of the things I think really hit me over this last year is that every day, every hour, every minute doesn't come around again. You know, there's no, yes, I can make that phone call tomorrow, but I can't get back that day that I wasted having not made that phone call, right? And maybe making that phone call tomorrow, the opportunity is not going to be the same as it is if I had made it today. And when you realize that you're every every minute, every opportunity that you push off or that you wait on, that you don't push yourself to get that hundred percent or more out of yourself, Um, you're you're only hurting yourself and your family. They're depending on you. They're relying on you. You know, your wife or your husband married you expecting that you were going to give your all in life.
0: Are you giving your all? Those are things that you can control. Very, very well said. Uh, Talking about hard work, talking about not watching Netflix, not doing all this kind of stuff so you can can control your time. How do you celebrate when you have a big win? What's your ideal way to celebrate that win?
1: (laughs) You know, um, this this might sound a little bit uh, cheesy, but the first thing I think about when we have a big win is what is it that my wife was looking forward to? And so that's the first thing. And, you know, women, you can, you can, you can identify with, you can identify with this shoes or a pocketbook ah. or a purse, right? Those are the two things. It's one of those typically that we land. And so every, every, like every deal we finish every house we finish, cause she, she does this full time and then I complement, and we have different areas of the business um, that we focus on so that, you know, we, we don't step on each other's toes, but you know, I plan every deal we finish that win to make sure that she feels like that effort was worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and that goes to taking care of your team of people, right? And 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 kind of being a leader is about putting your team first. Um and then for me personally, I think um the way that the way that I typically celebrate, honestly, is just going out to a nice dinner. Going out to a nice dinner. Um And not holding back, right, like a nice restaurant where I might spend, you know, two to $400 on a dinner for two people, like, you know, a a nice place. And just taking a moment to relax and sit back and um, give myself the permission to turn off all the things that you asked me about just a moment ago, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm always holding myself accountable and evaluating, is this the best use of my time? Could I be more efficient? Should I be doing something else? Am I missing out on an opportunity to create revenue, et cetera? But sometimes you just got to turn all of that off. You know, go out to a nice dinner, come back, watch a movie. I'm a big movie person. So maybe we'll go out to the movies instead during a movie um, and just get a chance to enjoy that. Those, I think, are the things that, for me, just being able to turn off for a moment um, is is
0: is really what it's about. Awesome. And soon enough, you'll have that those gold flakes on your steak, right? <laughs> <laughs> um if you had the opportunity to go on the world stage and you're giving one message to the entire world to remember Joe by, what's that one message? Mm,
1: to remember Joe by, um, I believe it would come down to character. Everything that I do, I make sure that I'm going to be proud of it. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. But everything that I do, I want to make sure that I'm proud of what I did in the circumstance. If everybody knew everything that went on, not proud of what everybody else saw. And then behind the scenes, I really did something shady, just just proud of it all and encouraging and inviting other people to come along with me on that journey and to just just do that. Right. Just be a good person. Those, I think. Uh, is is the message that I would want to get out is that I want to be a person of integrity, you know, live live that legacy, um, and then uh, and, and then invite other people to do that. And probably, if I could tack on kind of the second piece of that is um, to give back. To give back, I'm very very big believer in giving back. Um, I always make sure every year that I that I take and I give to people that I don't know. And to influence uh, things that, at least for me, the way that I give is in things that I I can't do or I couldn't do on my own. Uh, Or maybe it's an area that I'm not, you know, passionate about to take the time to do, but I know it's an important mission that needs to be accomplished. So those, I think, are the two things is don't be selfish, give back and um, be proud of what you do, assuming that the people that are evaluating you see everything that went on, including your intentions. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Great words to live by. And I hope everybody follows that message. Uh, Before I let you go, I got five quick questions for you. Uh, uh, Rapid fire, just let me know the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, First question is, um, Hasbro calls and says, hey, we want to do a Monopoly game based off of you. Uh, Pick four items in your life that you would like people to use as their game tokens. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, I I, I think a, a computer, that would definitely fit.
1: Um, I like nice cars. So some sort of, you know, fancy sports car. Um, I think something that would represent travel. I love to travel. So maybe a globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number four, you know, I think probably a heart, like a heart. Cause you know, between my wife and I, I'm a little bit of a romantic.
0: So. <laughs> Very nicely done. Uh, second question. You're on stage again. And you're asked to do a special performance of a special talent that not many people know. What's that talent that you're willing to perform? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, oh, that means you have a lot of secret talents. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: um, I think my talent would be uh, would be just doing something that is embarrassing. I'm not, I'm not afraid to be embarrassed. I don't have anything to hide. So getting up there and doing something, you know, whether it's, you know, some goofy skit or a funny, you know, a
0: stretch in an awkward
1: position or something like that. I think that would, that's what it would be.
0: Oh man. I'm so tempted to ask you to do a stretch in an awkward position right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're on the amazing race. What is one task or challenge that would ultimately get you to not finish the race? Task or a challenge that would
1: get me to not finish the race. Um, I don't know what would make me stop. I I don't consider myself a quitter, but something that would be a huge, you know, barrier or or blocker for me would be, um, you know, just basically a loved one having a a significant health issue, uh, potentially death. I think that would be the, the thing that would be the blocker. We're a huge hurdle.
0: Ah, so outside of the race. Very, very good. Um, when it comes to your a specialty that you could prepare for your wife, like a special dinner, what is your specialty?
1: Oh, oh, for me to cook, you mean? Um, I would probably make her, uh, i probably make her steak. But to be funny, I would also throw in some mac and cheese because she makes fun of me when I make mac and cheese.
0: Awesome. And my last question is, what is success like? And before that, give me a number between one to three. Two. One, two. Oh, this is going to be perfect for you. So how is success like a rose? How is
1: this how is success like a rose? Oh, okay. Um, I think um, every rose is unique. So for each person, what success means is different. And you should not use someone else's criteria uh, for your success. Um, you, should, you should evaluate success on your own. And then there's also, you know, the, the, it's beautiful when, it, when it's put together, um, but the rose is made up of lots of individual petals. Um, they all come together in a unique way for that rose to be beautiful. So you need to look at the big picture, but you also have to be able to break it down into individual constituent pieces um and put them together in a way
0: that is your success your beauty nicely done so that is how success is like a rose um if anybody wants to get in touch with you uh with regards to software with regards to real estate what's the best way
1: i think linkedin is the best way to reach out to me um connect with me shoot me a message i'll accept your invitation and let's talk awesome and do you have any final words that you want to share Number one, thank you so much for having me on here, Fong. Um, This was honestly a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Um, And uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to share with everyone what I'm passionate about and um, what, you know, get a chance to celebrate some of my successes. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, your stories, and uh, your advice. It was a lot of fun talking to you as well and uh, sharing this stage with you and uh, for everybody else um check out his 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 website his instagram it's all his stuff because he has a lot of great content out there lots to learn from always a person who gives value so reach out to joe for sure um until next time he is joe my name is ponchoa today is the day to lock your peak potential we'll all see you later